We're going to do this legitimately, like adults, like millennials. I think you're a millennial. I'm a millennial. I'm going to make you a podcast. It's not going to be very good, and it's not going to be very bad. The quality probably won't be great, and uh, I might stutter or reread something three times or say words wrong or add words in, but you know, it's okay. This podcast will be devised into however many chapters are in this book. I would um, look at the glossary, but there's a puppy laying on the book as we, as we speak, no, as I speak to you. The name of the book is Biggest Ever Book of Questions and Answers, and on the cover of the book we see a penguin a dolphin, a rocket ship, some brown guy on a camel being walked by some other brown guy with a turban on, a scary boat, and they're all laying on top of our planet Earth. And so it's not a racist book. The planet Earth is facing with Africa facing toward the cover, not America, because we are not the center of the universe. As I open the page to page one, Well, you know how books go. It's just the title of the book again. And then I change the page over and it's the title of the book again, but this time there's a picture of a nice little seagull and a brick wall similar to the one I would think Humpty Dumpty fell off of at some point. There's some little Chinese people. Yeah, uh, they seem to be cutting down some rice. And I turn the page again We see a picture of a brown bear climbing up a tree, trying to get some berries from a branch. This is the Paragon Publishing Book. This edition published in 2004. Copyright, Paragon 2003. Written by John Faraden, Ian James, Jimmy Johnson, Angela Royston, Philip Steely, and Martin Walters. Illustrated by David Ashby, Mike Adkinson, Julia Baker, Andrew Farmer, Bob Jakeaway, that's a weird last name, but hey, it's almost your name, John James, and Roger Kent. There's some other stuff on this page. I guess I'll finish reading it, because I'm doing this properly. Consultant editor, Brian Williams. This edition, created by Starry Dog Books. All rights reserved. No part of this publication may be reproduced. Oh, shit. Is that what I'm doing? Am I reproducing this? Am I going to go to jail? (laughs) Anyway. Let's not worry about that right now. Stored in... I don't know what this word is. Hold up. Oh. I do know what this word is. Yeah, we're going to pick up where I made a mistake. Stored in retrieval system or transmitted in any form by any means electronically, mechanically, copywriting, recording, or otherwise without prior permission from the copyright holder. (laughs) Oh, God. Maybe this is a bad idea. Are you allowed to read your friend a book over a podcast app? Is that copyright? It literally says recording right here. Let's continue. The next page we have 
the table of contents. But it doesn't say table of contents, it just says contents. So there's a little Spartan warrior and he's looking over at the chapters which are separated. Page 6, universe. 36, lands and people. 66, history. 96, science. 126, animals. 156, plants. 186, a lot of sixes. This book might be satanic. Planet Earth. 216, human body. 246, quiz questions. Oh, shit. That's going to be interactive, Jake. Okay. Oh, jeez. Okay. Chapter 1, the universe. Contents broken down to the Earth, the Moon, the Sun, the inner planets, the giant planets, the outer planets, birth of a star, death of a star, distances, gravity, and black holes, matter, galaxy, history of the universe, and life in the universe. As you may recall from our previous production, we have already covered page 8, the Earth. How did the Earth begin? But what you are not aware of is we did not read all of the special facts listed on this page. So, for our reading ease and other stuff, I'm just going to redo the entire page. That might help solidify this information for you. And if it doesn't, maybe you're already asleep. That's really not my problem. In case you've fallen asleep through my boring introduction of the book, I will let you know that we are going to begin just about at the six minute mark. It is currently five minutes and 51 seconds as I speak. And now we begin. How did the Earth begin? Around 4.5 billion years ago, neither the Earth nor any other planets existed. There was just vast, dark, and very hot clouds of gas and dust swirling around in the newly formed sun. Well, they were not in the sun, but they were like next to the sun. Gradually, the clouds cooled and the gas began to condense into billions of droplets. Slowly, these droplets pulled together into clumps by their own gravity. They carried on clumping until the planets, including the Earth, were formed. But it took another half a billion years before the Earth had cooled enough to form a solid crust with the atmosphere around it. That was a very long paragraph. I'm going to now catch my breath because I am not breathing somehow. As we continue, we're going to see how big the Earth is. Satellite measurements show it is 24,870 miles around the equator. That's 40,024 kilometers, if you're curious. It is also 7,927 miles across. The diameter at the poles is slightly less, at 26.7 miles. It's funny that the book says slightly less. That's like a, it's a cute little joke that the writers made, because 7,927. going to blame that on my reading ability, actually. I'm going to blame that on the way it was written. It's slightly less by 26.7 miles, so the diameter 
not around the equator, but from pole to pole, is 7,920.3. Continuing on. The Earth is about 4.6 billion years old, as we covered. The oldest rock on Earth is about 3.8 billion years old. Scientists have also dated meteorites that have fallen from space and must have been formed around the same time as Earth. I'm realizing right now that being a teacher must be very hard. It's not necessarily easy to breathe and read aloud at the same time. But we're going to keep going. If I pass out from lack of oxygen, it's your fault. And you can pay for my medical bills and whatever bail I'm going to need when I get arrested for copyright, apparently. I'm saying that word a lot. I wonder if this app is going to flag me for it. Hmm. Well, if that does get around to the creators of the biggest book of questions and answers, I just want you to know, I mean you no harm in my copywriting of reading this book to one single friend, and I do not plan on making any kind of money. So would Paragon Publishing House at Queen Street, House 4 Queen Street, Bath by 1HEUK, please reach out to me before you do a cease and desist. I'll happily delete this. Um, I'm just trying to make my friend happy. We live across the country from each other, and, uh, well, I'm trying to be nice, so please don't sue me. I am poor. As we continue at about the 10 minute mark, we will go on to what the earth is made of. The earth has a core of iron and nickel and a rocky crust made mostly of oxygen and silicone. In between the soft, hot mantle of the metal silicates, sulfates, and oxides. Yeah. Makes sense. Okay. What shape is the earth? Well, the earth is actually not quite a perfect spear. But those flat earther dwarfs are not correct either. Because the earth spins faster at the equator than it does at the poles, the earth begins to bulge at the equator. They have, they as in scientists, have described earth's shape as geode. Which simply means, are you ready? Earth shaped. <laughs> okay. As the earth orbits the sun, the hemisphere of the planet that faces the sun has a summer. Yeah, I messed that one up. The hemisphere facing away from the sun has a winter. Okay. What is so special about the Earth? Well, Earth is the only planet with temperatures at which water can exist on the surface. It is also the only planet with an atmosphere containing oxygen. Water and oxygen are both needed to sustain life. Why does it spin, do you ask? Well, the Earth spins because it is falling around the sun. As the Earth hurtles around the sun, the sun's gravity keeps it spinning, just as the Earth's gravity keeps a ball rolling down a hill. Exactly how long is a year? Do I need to read like those parts or can I just read the answers? 
I think I'm gonna try just reading the answers. All right. No, I don't know. I'm gonna play it by ear. I'm making myself sleepy. I guess this podcast really works. Every year, the Earth travels once around the sun. This epic journey covers a distance of 548,018,150 miles. That's 938,886,400 kilometers. That's a lot of kilometers. It takes exactly 365.24 days, which gives us a calendar year of 365 days. To make up for the extra 0.24 days, we add an extra day to our calendar at the end of February in every fourth year, which is called leap year. But then we also have to knock off one leap year every four centuries. How long is a day? A day is the time that the Earth takes to spin once. The stars are in the same place in our sky every 23 hours and 56 minutes and 4.09 seconds. That is considered a sidereal day. Our day, the solar day, is 24 hours because the Earth is moving around the sun it must turn an extra one degree for the sun to be in the same place in the sky. Therefore, we base our days off of where the sun's placement is, not the stars. It's also easier because 23 hours, 56 minutes, and 4.09 seconds is a very confusing like amount for a day to be. I mean, come on, how would you skip ahead in Animal Crossing if like you had to do it by like specific seconds or something? Sorry, I dropped my DS. I hope that sound didn't disturb you. And if I hope it did, I hope you woke up and hit pause on this podcast. Because I better not be wasting my goddamn time. We're almost finished with page 9. We're going to continue on to page 10. But before we can do that, I need to figure out how to pronounce this person's name. Because I am uneducated. We're going to work this out together. Who was Copernicus? Copernicus. Copernicus. I do know that name. I don't know who he is, but we're about to learn together. In the 1500s, most people thought the Earth was fixed in the center of the universe, with the sun and the stars revolving around it. Nicolaus Copernicus, born 1473, died 1543, was a Polish astronomer who first suggested that the Earth was moving around the sun. And that concludes podcast number one, the sun. Our next podcast, we will continue with the moon, pages 10 through 11. Most of our podcasts should probably be around 10 minutes long. It seems to be about the amount of time it takes me to read two pages. Goodbye. Alright, ma'am. Chapter 2. Well. Hmm.
There's some free AMSR for you or whatever that shit's called. I was eating a cookie. A lemon cookie. They're pretty good, but um, I found that they're a little too crunchy, so I opened the bag and put them in the refrigerator for about a week open so that they go stale. Definitely makes them more palatable. So, I was wrong. This is not chapter two. I suppose this is episode two. I don't know if you can hear in the background, but it is also featuring a puppy with hiccups. if you know this, but puppies frequently suffer from hiccups. So, we are uh, just past the minute mark, and we're going to begin with today, or tonight, or this span of ten minutes, or however you do this, um, this episode that I am now recording. Episode two, The Moon. The large, dark patches visible on the moon's surface are called seas, but they are in fact not seas at all. They are huge plains formed by lava flowing from volcanoes that erupted early on in the moon's history. My puppy seems upset about the fact that uh, there was once lava on the moon and she was not aware. Uh, She cried a little because she felt stupid, but I think she's over it now. Continuing on, the first man on the moon was Neil Armstrong, along with Buzz Aldrin. I'm sure you already know that. They were on the U.S. Apollo 2 mission. It's either 2 or 11. I honestly don't know. Um, It's probably 11, but uh, the numbers are spaced apart pretty far in this book, so it looks like it's Roman numeral 2. Anyway, told you I was a little uneducated, but... We're going to continue on. They landed on the moon July 20th, 1969. That's approximately four months before my mother was born. As Armstrong set foot on the moon, he said, This is one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. It's a little cheesy, but it's cool, you know. I mean, it may have happened in a Hollywood basement, but I'm just going to... Roll with it. A lunar module from the Apollo 15 mission was the astronauts' home during their stay on the moon. It's a little cabin. It's very cute. There's an illustration in the book we are referencing, but this is a podcast. You do not get to see the pictures. is by far the brightest thing in the night sky, but it in fact has no light of its own. The moon is simply the sun's light reflected off of the white dust of the moon's surface. Speaking of the sun, as the moon goes around the earth, it sometimes passes right into the earth's shadow, where the sunlight is blocked off. Sorry, my reading is getting a little distracted. My hand is currently being chewed into little strips of beef jerky by a small demonic animal that we call a puppy. I will distract her with the toy and continue on. The moon during this time 
you can see the dark disk of Earth's shadow creeping across the moon. Well, yeah, I got a little distracted being chewed on by a puppy, but we will continue now. Before we move on to more of these little side questions such as, what is a harvest moon then? Why does the moon look like cheese? Maybe we should cover the most... Dog, stop chewing on my book. Hey. That's not, that's not what you want. Hey. <laughs> Do something a little more basic. What is the moon? Well, the moon is Earth's natural satellite. It is circled around the Earth for at least four billion years. It is a rocky ball about a fourth of the Earth's size and it's held in its orbit by mutual gravitational attraction. Scientists believe that the moon formed when early in Earth's history the planet was smashed into. The impact was so tremendous that nothing was left of the planet. But a few hot splashes thrown back up into space. Yeah, that's what was left of the planet. A few hot splashes. It was a comma, not a period. I'm going to try to stop making so many mistakes, but we're only on episode two. We're learning together. Within a day of the smash, these splashes had been drawn together by gravity to form the moon. The moon has phases. The phase of the moon from left to right, per this illustration, but not something you can see, are a new moon, which is the moon, and its little crescent is facing toward the left, almost like a less than sign. Then we have a half moon in waxing, where the entire right half of the moon is filled in. Then we have a full moon. No, we don't. Then we have a gibbous moon. This is also waxing. This is when the moon is about three quarters of the way full, again filled in from the right the left side having a little crescent that is not visible. It still exists though, the moon does not disappear. Next we have a full moon, as you know. The full moon is what triggers werewolves and other scary spookies. After the full moon, we experience the gibbous moon in waning. The gibbous moon is very similar to the other gibbous moon, which was in waxing, it just faces the other direction, so the left side is filled in, leaving a little dark sliver on the right. Next, we have a half moon in waning. Here's another half moon. You can see only the left side of the moon. Next, we have the old moon. Old moon, as you can imagine, is the greater than version of... It's like God's toenail. That's how we would describe it back in the day. I'm sorry that episode two is not as fluid as episode one. The puppy was sleeping during episode one. I am now dealing with a book chewer. If I knew how to pause, I would. But instead, I'm going to just bring you along this part of the mission as this is a podcast for one person and not millions. 
I do not plan on making any profit or monetizations off of this podcast. Just so you know, Jake. Continuing on, we're going to wonder, what is a harvest moon? The Harvest Moon is a very cool video game that's similar to Animal Crossing. Oh, wait. No. The Harvest Moon is the full moon nearest the autumnal equinox, when night and day are of equal lengths. This moon hangs bright above the eastern horizon for several evenings, providing good light for harvesters that's precious. I think my puppy wants off the couch. I'm going to kick her off. Goodbye. It's a very small drop, but she's large enough. It does not bother her. Continuing on. Why does the moon look like cheese? The moon is said to look like Swiss cheese because it is full of holes. It can also appear yellowish. The holes are craters on the surface from when it was created being bombarded with huge rocks early on in its history. The moon's surface is covered with a fine layer of dust. The surface of the moon is pitted with impact craters, obliterated, I guess it's obliterated, but I say obliterated because I'm uneducated and illiterate sometimes. Yeah. So anyway, they were obliterated in part by giant ancient lava flows that were called seas. The moon's mantle is now cool compared to the Earth's, and the moon's core, outer core, is probably made of solid metal. That's pretty badass, actually. Back when I was a child, I was really interested in like space and stuff, but then I became jaded by, you know, the world. Maybe reading this book together will get us back into having some excitement for the wonders of the world, like fucking metal balls floating around above us. I believe it is time to take the puppy outside to go pee. So we're going to take a break. Come outside, let's go pee, puppy. During this break, I will try to continue to keep your interest. I mean, I'm sure you're not sleeping because you're too excited, so you're just listening to all of these as you sit in your room and probably play video games or post memes on Facebook. I apologize if it gets loud. It is raining outside. Uh, let's see if we can get the puppy to go potty. Come on, puppy. Let's go potty. Come on, puppy. Let's go potty. Oh, I said party instead of potty. I don't want to party with a puppy. That sounds terrible. Sorry for oohing in your ear. That was unnecessary. I'm going to now do my potty ritual. Feel free to listen along or skip ahead by about one minute and we should be able to resume our podcast. Go potty, baby. It's okay. Go potty. Yes, go potty. My puppy is fearsome of the cars that drive by. They make her nervous, especially at night, so this may take a moment. Feel free to skip ahead, as I said, about a minute. We should be good to go. Puppy is currently sniffing the ground. 
pine cone just hurled out of a tree and startled both of us. Go potty, baby. Puppies need to potty when they get up from their naps, otherwise they will potty in your house. I do not want potty in my house. I just cleaned my floors yesterday very thoroughly with a handheld steam cleaner. Oh, there's a frog. I'm gonna go look at it. Ah, oh, it's not a frog. It's just a puddle with water splashing on it. And it looked like a frog from afar. That being said, we do have lots of frogs here, so it is not a worry that I did not see a frog this time. Although I didn't see a frog yesterday either. I guess I'm having bad frog luck. Baby, can you go potty? Honey? Go potty, baby. Go potty, baby. I think we're getting close now. The potty should come. I need to have Osi rake the front yard though because she keeps getting distracted by pine cones. Uh, come on, go potty baby. Hey, don't go over there, come here. There's a dead rabbit on the far side of my yard, and the puppy knows it's there, and every once in a while she feels she might be brave enough to go in that direction, but she never does. She never goes all the way. But I fear one day she will be brave enough. Um, I believe it's time to abort this potty mission, and we'll try again after we finish our podcast. We just finished page 10, and we are going to move on to page 11. Puppy hid under my truck, which tells me she is not planning on going potty right now. Alright. We have made it back inside. I apologize for that. This is uh, beginning at about the 15 minute mark. We are continuing on page 11 of our night night reading. has an inner core of metal very much smaller in relation to its size than the Earth's. The moon has a crust of solid rock that is thicker than the Earth's, up to 90 miles thick on its side that faces away from the Earth. Just to clarify, the moon is not actually made of cheese. It is made of rocks. What exactly is a new moon, you may have asked back when we were speaking of God's toenail and such. New moon? Well, it is the second book in the Twilight series. Uh, Personally, it's my least favorite of the four books. In the book New Moon, Edward decides that Bella would be better off without him because he puts her in danger by being an immortal vampire. Um, And Bella falls into a deep depression that lasts about six months before she gets a visit from Edward's sister Alice, who informs Bella that Edward thinks Bella killed herself, and now Edward must 
kill himself in exchange because he feels it's his fault. It's really melodramatic when you think of it about the fact that they're both like 17 years old. It's kind of like, wow, really, guys? But but who are we to judge? Uh, we have never dated an immortal, beautiful vampire man or Robert Pattinson, so maybe we don't understand what that kind of love feels like. Anyway, oh yeah, I'm sorry. We were talking about earth science and stuff, not about about fantasy books. What is a new moon, you ask, other than the Twilight book? The new moon appears when the moon has changed shape during the month because as it circles the earth, we see bright and sunny sides from different angles. At the new moon, the moon is between the earth and the sun, and we only catch the crescent-shaped glimpses of its brightest side. Over the first two weeks of the month, we see more and more of the bright side. This is called waxing, until it becomes a full moon. When we see its sunny side, yes, that is the full moon, the sunny side. I got distracted because a mouse ran past me, and um, it got really close to my lizard's cage, and thought maybe my lizard was escaping, but she is sleeping, so it wasn't her. It was a mouse. Over the next two weeks, after the new full moon, the, the, the full moon, not the new moon, oh my goodness, I'm so bad at this, Jake. Maybe I need some coffee. Some 8 p.m. coffee. Over the next two weeks, we see less and less whining until gets back to just a sliver, the old moon. So yeah, the new moon is like in between the new, the moons, you know, like, yeah. Not the old moon. Jake, and whoever else might accidentally be listening to this, I hope you're sleeping because this is embarrassing. But I'm committed. We are halfway through the 18 minute mark. With two more questions to go. The questions being, why does the sea have tides? Oh, this is my favorite question. I'm going to say this one for last. How long is a month? It takes the moon 27.3 days to circle the earth, but 29.53 days for one full moon to the next. Because of the earth and the fact that the earth is moving as well as the moon. A lunar month is the 29.53 day cycle. The calendar months are entirely artificial. Goofy ass humans. Last but not least, why does the sea have tides? The moon's gravity draws the oceans into an oval around the earth, creating a bulge of water on each side of the world. These bulges stay beneath the moon as the earth spins around, and so they seem to run around the world, making the tides rise and fall as they pass. That is crazy. Wow, I labeled my first episode as the sun, and it was actually the earth. How silly. How silly.
welcome back, Jacob and um, other people who are listening to this for whatever reason. I apologize. Uh, I do apologize for the cookie eating and the potty break. I didn't realize anybody else was going to be uh, here with us, but welcome. You are all welcome. Um, we're going to continue today uh, with episode three. I apologize for the long hiatus. I hope you were able to get some sleep without my lovely podcast. Some uh, some other fellow podcasters must have, you know, must help you out when I'm not available. Uh, you see, I've been been reading the Twilight series and uh, I got a little captivated. Uh, but today I decided to go ahead and break that cycle and get back into. Uh, book of questions and answers and help you my little friends get some well-deserved rest so as i may have mentioned or i was beginning to mention and then change the subject today's topic is the sun uh, we've previously covered the moon and the earth uh, moving on through this book we will travel across the universe and then into our own world and body like, hmm, how do they really know how much the sun weighs? So, kind of glad I didn't go into that, because 
then we'd be having like an argument and there's not even really anyone here with me so that doesn't make sense moving on what makes the sun burn the sun gets its heat from nuclear fusion huge pressures deep inside of the sun force the nuclei cores of hydrogen atoms to fuse together and make helium atoms releasing huge amounts of nuclear energy The sun's crown is its corona, its glowing, white, hot atmosphere seen only as a halo when the rest of the sun's disk is blotted out by the moon's solar eclipse. It's called the sun's crown. I'm sure you've seen that. I did one in Tahoe, I believe, but we didn't have any special glasses or anything. Yeah, we all kind of hurt our corneas. It was pretty stupid. Chromosphere is the sun's ultra-thin halo of a boiled-off gas called the corona. That's a, pretty much the same thing. It's like the little woo-woo around the edge of the sun. It's all shiny. The photosphere is a sea of boiling gas that gives heat and light that we experience on Earth. a picture book so like I'm talking to you and I'm reading to you but then I'm like getting distracted by photos and then I'm having like thoughts like is there a way I can describe this photo to you but not really I can try okay let's try let me count myself out on the page there's a large photo of the sun the sun is diced into quarters so you can actually see the outer portion of the sun sunspots, it shows solar flares, it shows that photosphere, but then, as you've probably seen in diagrams of the Earth and whatnot before, you can see into the sun, each layer and the core. Um, it's, it's pretty neat, so it looks like, the core looks pretty dense, like, they kind of made it look like a cooked egg yolk, and then coming out from the core, it looks as though they're trying to show that the heat kind of like swirls around underneath the crust or the surface of the sun, which I don't think is a surface. They said it's an ultra-thin halo of boiled-off gases and um, a sea of boiling gas, so I suppose it's not solid anyway. Yeah, so there's the picture. Moving on. Page 13. Solar wind. The solar wind is a stream of radioactive particles constantly blowing out from the sun at hundreds of miles per second. The Earth is protected from the solar winds by its magnetic field, but the poles at the solar wind... Whoa. Let's restart that sentence. But the poles the solar wind interacts with... Earth's atmosphere. Oh my gosh, I am so sorry. I'm still looking at the picture and I'm trying to read this sentence. You know how it goes. I haven't had my coffee yet. It's only 2 p.m. here in North Carolina. So, um, I'm just gonna stare out the window for a second and regain myself. 
I never said I was good at this, by the way. Just for in case anybody's wondering, what the hell is going on? Something along those lines. I never said I was good at this. I read to myself. Um, I don't have any children or anything. And when I tell my plant stories, they're usually like renditions of movies or other books I've read in the past. And then I just kind of tell the story booklessly. So we're going to restart. is protected from the solar wind by its magnetic field, but at the poles, the solar wind interacts with the Earth's atmosphere to create the aura borealis, or the northern lights. That's badass. I'm glad we finished this sentence. I really like the northern lights. They're very pretty. Um, one day I hope I can visit Alaska and just kind of look at them, you know? Then it'll be really cold and I'll regret going and I'll never go again, but sounds nice. Let's talk about the sun's age. The sun, as I said previously, is a middle-aged star. It probably formed around 5 billion years ago. It probably will burn for another 5 billion years and then die a blaze so bright that the earth will be scorched right out of existence. Nice. For a children's book, nice. Okay. Sunspots are dark blotches seen on the sun's surface, similarly to the ones you see on the middle-aged women's faces in northern LA, where they spent way too much time at the beach trying to be sexy in their youth, and now they have dark blotches. Anyway, there are, these blotches are thousands of miles across and usually occur in pairs. They are dark because they are slightly less hot than the rest of the sun. As the sun rotates, Oh, that's cool. The sun rotates. Not gonna lie. As the sun rotates, they slowly cross its face. In about a 37-day equator. And 26 days at the poles. So I suppose the sun also has poles in the equator, of course. Um, hmm. So it takes 37 days. Those are our days, I'm assuming, not Sundays, because... Whatever friends of yours have been clicking on this, probably. I hope they don't click on any more of these because that's really embarrassing. The average number of spots seem to reach a maximum every 11 years, and many scientists believe that these sunspot maximums are linked to the periods of stormier weather on Earth. What? That's fucking crazy. Sorry for the fuck, and sorry for yelling. I know you're trying to sleep. I'm very sorry. I'm going to go ahead and make you episode 4, just so I can make up for that yell, because uh, I don't know how loud the recording is, because I'm, I'm literally just using an iPhone, as I stated previously. There's no special microphones, and I'm not doing any kind of editing like I can. We're just not there yet. Okay, continuing on. We have two more segments before we reach the end of this episode, so maybe I can lure you back to sleep. Solar flares are eruptions from the sun's surface, the fountain into space, with the energy of one million atom bombs for about five minutes. They are similar to solar prominences, the giant 
plane-like tongues of hot hydrogen that loop 60,000 miles in space. Oh, shit, I thought those were solar flares, too. The more you know. And finally, how hot is the sun? The surface of the sun is a phenomenal 11,000 degrees Fahrenheit, 6,000 degrees Celsius, and would melt anything and everything. That's not actually what the book says. The book says it would melt absolutely anything, but plagiarism? No, I'm just kidding. That's just how I read it. Anyway, but its core is a thousand times hotter, an average of over 29 million degrees Fahrenheit, 16 million degrees. In other words, it's very hot. Now, to keep the pattern going, I am going to end this episode and begin the next one shit puts me to sleep. Okay. You better be sleeping. Anyway, our next chapter will be the inner planets. So, before we move on, I would like to talk to you about something else we discussed. Eventually, I will work on making a cooking YouTube channel. Uh, it's going to be just as bad as this. should look forward to that, but for some reason, which I understand, because, you know, you're kind of weird, but, um, it'll be fun, it'll be fun, it's gonna be very bad, very bad and very fun, uh, so, we'll continue on, uh, later, we're about 14 minutes, so I'm gonna go ahead and end right now. entirely, but, um, I'm gonna give it a shot. Alright, so today, our episode is going to be on the inner planets. Now, the inner planets, as you probably are aware, I believe, are the ones that are on our side of the Milky Way. Um, yeah, that's just a guess. I haven't read the chapter yet. I'm remembering from, like, third, fourth grade science, something along those lines. Um, as you know, I mean, you don't learn very much in school unless, like, you're a nerd or something, but I tried to be a nerd. Anyway, we're going to nerd now and go ahead and read this book, Things We Should Have Known in Third Grade, that we are learning now in our mid-twenties. Or maybe I shouldn't use the word learning, maybe we're refreshing our memory because we've been bombarded for so many years with beers and taxes and Republicans and I'm just kidding. That last one was a joke, like a 2020 joke about, like, how my anti-mask joke from, anyway, let's continue on without offending anybody, I apologize, um, on this slightly though, because this is my podcast, so, oh boy, oof, here we go, beginning now, what are the inner planets? The inner planets are the four planets in the solar system that are nearest to the sun. 
Jupiter's planet Mercury, Venus, Earth and Mars are small and made of rock, unlike the larger planets farther out, which are mostly made of gas. And just so you know, if anybody is comparing my um, words that I'm choosing in comparison to what the book actually says, I am altering words so that they sound more appropriate with um, the accent I'm choosing, or just, you know, they sound more up to date. Because this book was written in like 2004, so I may change words, but it's the same meaning regardless. Okay, continuing on. Because they are made of rock, they have a hard surface that a spaceship can land on, which is why they are sometimes called terrestrial planets. Terrestrial meaning Earth. These planets have a thin atmosphere, but each one is very different. Before we continue on with questions, I'm going to give you a little snippet about each of the inner planets. For some reason, in reverse order, I, I don't know why um, the book has them listed this way, but they do. So, Mars is a reddish planet with the shadows that are visible here and there on the surface of the planet. It doesn't explain what causes Mars' shadows, but apparently it has shadows. There is a Martian canyon. The dramatic landscape of Mars has not been worn down by rain or running water. I wonder what it has been worn down by then. Asteroids? Ice? It does not say again. Okay, continuing on with our snippets that are leaving me slightly frustrated with the lack of information. Maybe I should buy a book for adults, not children. As I said previously, I did not purchase this book. I stole it, I believe, from a child when I was in... That looks like my third grade handwriting. Um, And I don't think stole it. I probably traded him for a Pokemon card or something. Um, I don't have the exact... I don't remember. But all I know is I acquired this book in a way that my parents did not purchase it for me. Continuing on. Earth. Three quarters of the Earth's surface is covered in water, which is why it looks blue from afar. Venus is a soft, pinkish-white ball with no features visible on the surface through its thick atmosphere. And Mercury. Mercury has virtually no atmosphere. What the heck just... Okay. And its surface is peaked with the craters like the moon. Mercury is very small. Why is Mars red? Well, Mars is red because it is a bit rusty. The surface contains a high proportion of iron dust, and this has been oxidized in the carbon dioxide atmosphere. What's frightening about Mars' moons? One night, American astronomer Al Safhal Asalpal got fed up with studying Mars and decided to go to bed, but his domineering wife bullied him into staying up, and that night he discovered that Mars is two moons. Mocking his fear of his wife, he named the moons Phobos and Deimos, fear and panic. Those are names derived from the Greek world, I just know that from playing Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Uh, it is not in the book either. I don't know what accent they came of. Maybe Russian for some reason. 
was more comfortable in trying to pretend to be Harry Potter before. Continuing on. The Viking... What? Life on Mars. The Viking landers of the 1970s found no trace of life. Huh. I wonder if this is like a robot. Microscopic fossils of what might be mini viruses were found on a rock on Mars. These turned out not to be signs of life after all. Okay. Why is Venus called the evening star? Venus reflects the sunlight so well it shines like a star. But because it is quite close to the sun, we can only see it in the evening. Just as the sun can also see it just before the sun rises. What canyon is bigger than the Grand Canyon? A canyon on Mars. Oh man, that voice is a little exhausting actually. I was thinking about the um, butler in Mr. D. which is 15 miles, 27 kilometers, high, three times higher than Mount Everest. Holy crap. It also has a great chasm, covered, nope, discovered by the Mariner 9 space probe, named the Valles Marine, something like that. This is over 25,000 miles long, 4,000 kilometers is four times as deep as the Grand Canyon. Okay, that's exciting. Honestly, like, that's probably the least exciting thing I read in the book. I don't know why. <sighs> Maybe that's because I've never been to the Grand Canyon or something. Or Mount Everest, obviously. But, uh, I don't know. Maybe I need to go outside. Ha! <laughs> I think that's gonna happen. <sighs> what are the inner planets made of? Each of the inner planets is formed by... said by instead of bit. They are formed a little bit like an egg, with a hard shell or crust rock. A white or mantle of soft semi-molten rock, and a yolk of a core, often molten iron and nickel. I probably could have explained that better, or read that better. Basically they're saying that the plants are like eggs. Hard on the outside, soft and dense on the inside. Weird. I really am putting myself to sleep over here. That was a nice silence, wasn't it? That felt pretty good. It was like meditation. I'm gonna go ahead and wipe the uh, tears out of my eyes from that yawn, and then maybe. Maybe I should read this to you like on the elliptical or something because um, I'm just kidding, I don't have an elliptical, but hmm. there are only three segments left in this chapter.
exactly we are approaching the 10 minute mark so if you are not sleeping and let's say you've listened to both of these episodes just remember that you've spent 20 minutes not sleeping that's 20 minutes you're gonna have to subtract from the amount of time that you did if you fall asleep right now that i think everybody calculates after they set their alarm so keep that in mind just close your close your stupid eyes and tell your sun. How about Venus? Venus's atmosphere would be deadly for humans. It is very deep, so the pressure on the ground is huge. It is also mainly made up of poisonous carbon dioxide and is filled with clouds of sulfuric acid and mercury. The temperatures on Mercury veer from one extreme to the other because it has such a thin atmosphere to insulate it. In the day, oh my goodness, in the day, temperatures soar to 800 degrees Fahrenheit, 150 degrees Celsius, and at night they can plunge down to 290, oops, negative 290 degrees Fahrenheit, or negative 180 degrees Celsius. That's super cold and super hot. Driving through Death Valley. Wonder. I've driven through it twice. I believe once it was daytime, once it was nighttime. It was very hot in daytime. Had the little temperature gauge inside of my car. I was like, oh my god, it's so hot. We were fine. And then I drove through it at night once and I was like, oh no, it's like freezing. Ooh, the deserts are crazy. Anyway, we've just breached the 12 minute mark and I just want to let you know that um, this episode is over. Oh. I hope you are um, being tricked into sleep, if not by my soothing, rolling voice, then by the constant yawning. actually read the Odyssey, so I've I've listened to podcasts that are like give the gist of it, but I think it would be fun to read the book. If you really want, you can let me know this on a personal side. I can read you the Twilight books.
maybe with a bird of creatures in the distance, but we can't have quite a few of them, like almost all of them. Um, there's a few that I'm too stupid to read, like some of the books that were written in like the 1800s, I, yeah, I need to like go to school or something, I want to be able to read those. I've read some tricks online how to teach myself how to get better at reading them, um, but that's going to be down the line. Uh, that's work, and uh, you know, I just don't feel like putting that work in right now. Uh, you may have noticed it's also very quiet in the background, um, unless the background music kind of interferes with the other typical noises, but my puppy is at school, so these chapters are going to be quiet for a while, but they might get annoying again very soon. Goodbye. everybody what's up just kidding i'm not one of those youtube call of duty guys Uh, thunder if you're listening to this thank you for letting me um well you didn't let me but thanks for inspiring me to make fun of you for a split second with my intro even though i didn't finish and i doubt jake knows what i'm talking about um anyway yeah, so let's begin. Um, sorry if I'm a little too goofy. I really don't know how to do this. I only listen to like maybe five podcasts and uh, they're all very professional. So, well, they weren't at first actually. Six podcasts. At least three of them I've listened to since they were pretty new. And no, they're pretty much like this. They just happen to have more than one person. No, wait, one of them only has one person. Oh man, maybe I'm doing just fine. Alright, as we pass our um, intro one minute threshold, we're going to go ahead and begin. What are we discussing today, you might be wondering. Uh, Well, I mean, if you have any form of like foresight or the ability to pick up on context clues, you should be able to realize that we're going to be talking about the outer planets today, or the giant planets as they're referred to in this uh, little book. Oh, I just realized I took my glasses off to clean them, and I didn't put them back on. I'm not going to be able to read, so give me just a moment while I retrieve them. Because I left them... Oh no, maybe I left them in the bathroom, not my bedroom. I don't know, I'm just gonna wear my sunglasses in the house. They are also prescription. But they're not really sunglasses, but I wear them outside. They're like deeply yellow tinted um they protect me from like the pain of fluorescent lighting um i used to have some prescription sunglasses but i drunkenly left them at osi's boss's house before we moved out of california so um yeah i don't have those these aren't sunglasses they're just yellow glasses i really want some pink glasses those are nice anyway i now have glasses and can begin and forgive me if I yawn a lot more. It is um, barely sunlit in my house. Sunlit, sunlit. So uh, wearing these tinted glasses may make me a little extra sleepy. Um, we're going to go ahead and continue today without any accents. Um, I don't know if that was offensive or not. So I'm going to wait for a little feedback because 
it's 2020 and people are offended by everything. Um, yeah, like, I don't really want to you know, get banned and have to make a new account. So, normal voice, here we go. Oh, well, okay. So, I'm just gonna, like, critique a little bit. I don't know who wrote this book. Actually, I do. I read that in, like, the first episode, but... I don't like the way they started out. So this chapter is the giant planets. But instead of describing what the giant planets are for the first chunk, it literally dives right into what Saturn's rings are. And it's like, I would think whoever wrote this book would follow a similar structure. What is the sun? What is the moon? How, well, I guess, how did the earth begin? But it's assuming you know what the earth is. What are the inner planets? And then Saturn's rings. Like, come on, like the little structure would be nice. Like. I get it, we're supposed to assume that the outer, the giant planets are the outer planets, the gas ones that were referred to in the last chapter, yada yada. But again, with this being a kid's book, like, I don't know. Maybe I'm just being uh, a little rude. Anyway, the chapter begins. What are Saturn's rings? Saturn's rings are the planet's shiny halo. First seen by Galileo Galilei, born 1564, died 1642 who invented the first simple telescope in 1608. The rings are made of countless billions of tiny chips of ice and dust, fewer, wow, few bigger than a refrigerator, most the size of ice cubes. The rings are incredibly thin, no more than 164 feet deep, yet they stretch way above Saturn's clouds at 4,350 miles high and over 46,000 miles into space. 46. Wow. That's really far. I'm also, um, I don't really feel like converting the kilometers thing right now. I know you don't care. We, we live in the United States and we're not using kilometers. Um, if you do care, drop a comment below. I don't know if that's even a thing you can do on this, but, um, if you're listening to this, you're on Facebook, you can totally comment on the post and be like, Oh, I need to know the kilometers, otherwise it doesn't make sense to me. And I'm fine with that. That's fine. I'm just making a broad assumption right now. Now I feel bad. Let's continue. Okay. Saturn also has moons. Saturn's moons are all blocks of ice made with dirty dust and organic compounds. Hold on, I'm going to set you down for one second. <coughs> I was thinking about dust and then I had to cough. How heavy is Saturn? Saturn may be big, but because it's largely made of liquid hydrogen, it is also remarkably light. With a mass of 600 billion trillion tons. Yeah. <laughs> So wasn't the sun, the sun was, what was it, 2,000 trillion trillion? Yes, 2,000 trillion trillion, so I guess 600 billion trillion, it's so light. Sorry, it sounds funny, but okay. It says, it would float in a bath if you had a big enough bath. That's pretty precious, okay. So I guess it's lighter than water, that makes sense, because it's liquid hydrogen. It rains on Saturn, but it doesn't rain H2O. It rains liquid helium. That's so cute. Winds roar around Saturn's equator at 1,120 miles per hour. 
That's 1,800 kilometers per hour. Sorry. Whatever. It is actually very windy on Saturn. Windier than Jupiter. Neptune's winds are even faster. But it doesn't say how fast. They're just faster. Faster than 1,120 miles per hour. What is the Cassani division? Saturn's rings occur in broad bands referred to by the letters A all the way to G. In 1675, astronomer Cassani started, spotted a dark spot between rings A and B. This is now named the Cassani division after him. Cassini? I think it's Cassini, I'm sorry. How many moons has Saturn got? That doesn't sound like good English. How many moons has Saturn got? How many moons does Saturn have? I buy how many moons they got. Sorry. That's what somebody that works at the gas station here. I think I mentioned it previously. Um, there's a gas station here where you can like buy snacks or gas. But like the dude will also like come out into the parking lot and like install a stereo in your car or something. Like just like from his own, like he just has them in the back of his car. It's, uh, it's pretty funny. That's what it's like living in a town of 62 people. Anyway, how many moons Saturn got? Saturn has at least 18 moons, including Lepidus, which is a black one. A black, a black one. Oh, it's black on one side and white on the other. That's precious. Oh, little, little goth moon. And Enceladus which is covered in shiny beads of ice and shimmers like a movie screen. That's precious too. I'm also probably butchering these names. I've never heard them before. And, um, I'm also not trying very hard. Again, my apologies. I know you want it. Really hardcore badass. But oh, did I tell you? They're trying to advertise on my podcast. I don't know what it'd be or how much money it would make, but since I'm totally like probably not supposed to read this book on a podcast, I'm not going to accept the payment. Ah, uh, sad, sad. Hmm. Anyway. What is Jupiter's red spot? The Great Red Spot, or GRS, is a huge swirling storm in Jupiter's atmosphere. It's 25,000 miles across and has gone in the same place for at least 330 years. That's so weird. A 330-year storm. That sounds obnoxious. Okay. Even though Jupiter is largely gas, it still weighs 320 times as much as Earth. It is eight... Whoa. It is 88,850 miles in diameter. Could you land a spaceship on Jupiter? Well, we already know the answer to that, but I'm going to read it anyway. No. Even if your spaceship could withstand the enormous pressure, there is no surface to land on. The atmosphere merges unnoticeably in deep oceans of liquid hydrogen. High-speed winds whirl around Jupiter's surface, creating banded clouds in the atmosphere. Jupiter is super pretty. This is a nice picture. Like, if it was a rock, it, it almost like looks like one of those tiger eye rocks. Um, they're really, they're pretty nice. 
Jupiter has a ring system like Saturn, but it's much smaller. I don't think I knew that. That's pretty cool. They're very little in comparison. It's a cute little picture. Io is Jupiter's fourth big moon. Jupiter's four big moons. It is one of Jupiter's four big moons. It has at least 12 small ones as well. Volcanoes erupt sulfur on the surface of Io. Or is it Eeyore? Eeyore? I'm not sure. Again, I'm reading. I don't know these things from the TV or the listenings. What are the giant planets made of? Jupiter and Saturn are largely... Oh! Wow, my whole rant at the beginning is totally worthless. That's why. This is about literally the giant planets, the two. Saturn and Jupiter. Like, this isn't about the outer planets at all. Um, I suppose... I should have picked up on that, the fact that there's only two pictures on this page. Uh, my apologies, book writers. Um, it still, I think, would have made more sense if it would have gone inner planets, outer planets, then the large planets, and, like, explain them in depth after introducing what the outer planets are, but... Who am I to judge? I am not an author or a scientist. Continuing on. The larger planets are made of hydrogen and helium. On Jupiter, the internal pressures are so great that most of the hydrogen is turned into metal. Why are astronomers excited about Titan? Saturn's moon Titan, moon Titan is very special because it is the only moon in the solar system with an atmosphere. Oh, so it's like a little planet, but it, but Saturn's its little sun. That's so cute. What are the giant planets? Jupiter and Saturn are the fifth and sixth planets out from the sun. They are the giants in our solar system. Jupiter is twice as heavy as all of the planets put together and 1,300 times larger than Earth. Saturn is almost as big. Unlike the inner planets, they are made largely of gas, and only their very core is rocky. This does not mean that they are vast cloud balls. The enormous pressure of gravity means the gas is squeezed until it becomes a liquid or even solid. Man, that's like really hard to wrap my brain around. Like, okay, so they're gases, they're still considered gases, they're not considered a solid, and you couldn't land on it. But they're still so firm that they're liquids and solids. But they're still gas. Like, it reminds me of those vape videos where, like, the people vape into, like, a bubble. But then, like, they pop the bubble and the smoke goes away. But then when it's, like, in the bubble, but the bubble's soft. It's, like, it's not a solid, but it's a bubble. Anyway. How long does Jupiter take to orbit the sun? takes 11 years and 314 days on the Earth calendar to complete its journey around the sun. That's pretty cute. How fast does Jupiter spin? Jupiter spins faster than any other planet. Despite its huge size, it turns in just 9.8 hours, which means the surface is moving at 28,000 miles per hour. Alright, well... As you can probably tell by the time on the video, we're edging towards 15 minutes, and um, 
Unfortunately, that means that this segment has been completed. Um, we are approximately a quarter through the universe chapters of the book. Uh, next up, we are going to be discussing the rest of the outer planets. Um, as you probably know, that is Uranus, Neptune, and well, at the point when this book was written, Pluto was considered a planet, but um, well, sorry Pluto. apologize for not letting you know or giving you a heads up that we're wrapping up the chapter like I usually do, but um, again, we're new at this, so I'm just going to hang up now. Goodbye. Good evening. I am Podcast Lady, your mommy. Sorry, I'm, okay, so I'm going to try to bust out this episode. Um, this, since, well, hmm, okay, so this is the outer planets. Um, a huge chunk is taken up by a photo of a nucleus, which is the heart of a comet. It is called a nucleus. It is made of ice and dust, often shaped like a lumpy potato, and just a few miles across. So anyway, like, it's taking up a pretty much almost an entire page. So this is probably going to be a short episode, which is good. Because I am currently waiting for Petco to call me back. Because they charged me um, for an out-of-stock item, like, two weeks ago. And they still haven't refunded my card. Um, it's only, like, 20 bucks, which is still really annoying. Like, it's 20 bucks, dude. I need that 20 more. You know what I mean? So... Well, I wait for Petco to call me back with a resolution to my issue. I'm going to teach you, or refresh you, about the inner planets. Hopefully, as you use this podcast to fall asleep, as we previously discussed. But, honestly, I don't care what you do with it. You can be playing this for a bunch of plants that you purchased for your future girlfriend, and, um... I'm lulling them to life, as they say plants like to be talked to. But I think that only works, like, in person with the plants, because it's like, whatever, you're breathing on them and it makes them happy. Ooh, that reminds me. I'm actually gonna go read this chapter to my plant who's not doing so well. Um, The previous owners of this house left me all their house plants, like, outside, but, uh... Between them leaving and us moving here, it took like four months, so these poor plants were just sitting outside, so they're not doing very good, but I'm trying, so, um, before we begin, I'm going to pluck a couple leaves off, because, uh, half his leaves are like dead and falling off, it's pretty sad. If you have any, uh, plant tips, uh, please comment on my Facebook account and let me know what I can do to make my dragon palm tree stop being so dead. And we will begin. What are the outer planets? The outer planets, Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto. Well, Pluto and his companion, Charion. I, again, I don't know how to pronounce that. I'm, I'm just being dramatic, but Charon, Charon. Unlike the other planets, 
These planets were completely unknown to our ancient astronomers. They are so far away and so faint that Uranus was only discovered in 1781, Neptune in 1846, and Pluto in 1930. Chiron was recently discovered in 1978. Uranus and Neptune are gas giants like Jupiter and Saturn. But Pluto and Chiron are rocky planets, or celestial dwarfs, and the moon, as they are now considered, I believe. What is strange about Uranus? Well, my anus. <laughs> Just kidding, sorry. That's not funny. I hope nobody heard that. That was a bad joke. Anyway, unlike the other planets, Uranus does not spin on a slight tilt. Instead, it is tilted right over and rolls around the sun on its side like a giant bowling ball. Moving on. What is an asteroid? See, this book kind of jumps around a lot like Uranus, asteroid. Okay. Asteroids are the thousands of rocky lumps that circle around the sun in a big between Mars and Jupiter. The biggest, Ceres, is 600 miles across. Most are much smaller. Over 3,200 asteroids have been identified so far. I wonder if that's like having a bunch of the same looking fish. Like, can they tell them apart? I don't know. It doesn't say. What is a comet? Comets are really just dirty ice balls. <laughs> Normally, they circle the outer reaches of the solar system, but occasionally, one of them is drawn toward the sun. As it hurtles towards the sun, it melts and a vast tail of the gas is blown behind it, and the solar wind, oh, no, blown behind it by the solar wind, okay. We may see the spectacular trail and the night sky shining in the sunlight for a few weeks until it swings around the sun and hops out of sight. The Hale-Bopp comet gave a spectacular display in 1997. I wonder when it'll come back. I wish it said. Who found Neptune? Two mathematicians, John Couch, no, John Couch Adams in England, and Urbain Le Verre of France. Urbain Le Verre in France. That might be closer to accurate. They predicted where Neptune should be from the way its gravity is distributed. No. By the way, it's gravity disrupted Uranus's orbit. Sorry, I'm thinking about Petco calling back and I was like wondering. Is I going to mess up this recording? Am I going to have to do a part two? I'm like distracting myself. My apologies. So, they predicted where Neptune should be by the way it's gravity disrupted Uranus's orbit. <coughs> Sorry, that was very loud. Jonah Gallier in Berlin spotted it on September 23rd, 1846. I think I need some water. We're almost done. I'll try to get through this without hanging in your ear again. How long is a year on Neptune? 
Neptune is so far from the sun, over 2,800 million miles, that its orbit takes about 165 Earth years. So, when you're on Neptune, 165 Earth years. Why is it green? Neptune is a greeny blue because its surface is completely covered in immensely deep oceans of liquid methane, which is a natural gas. Neptune is so far from the sun that its surface temperature is around negative 346 degrees Fahrenheit. It's pretty cold. What is a meteorite? A meteorite is a lumpy rock from space that is big enough to penetrate the Earth's atmosphere and reach the ground before it burns up. And last but not least, little Pluto. Pluto is very small, which is why it was so hard to spot. It is five times smaller than the Earth at just 1,419 miles across. It is also 500 times lighter than the Earth. It is visible from Earth only with a telescope. It is also around negative 346 degrees Fahrenheit. It maintains that temperature longer than Neptune, making it the coldest planet. Uh, Petco gave me about a 20-minute uh, window, but I'm going to end this episode now that we've finished our outer planets. We have just passed page 19 of our book, and tomorrow we will... Well, tomorrow, I don't know. You're probably binging these, and I'm literally recording them one after another. So, next time, A Birth of a Star will be covered. This one is a little longer. I'm going to go ahead and get some water, and in the meantime, charge my phone a little bit, and uh, take a little break so maybe I can come back and give you slightly more coherent and professional reading material. Uh, bye bye.